Welcome to the weekly podcast channel for the Wilmington Church of Christ. We hope that this channel inspires and encourages you to take the gospel to all people, transforms hearts to be like Christ, and trains disciples to make disciples. For more information about our church, please go to wcconline.org. Enjoy the message. Artie Coolidge tells and writes about when her church gave a baby shower for someone who uh, they didn't really know very well. And she said, this woman had already had uh, another child. She was a single mom, and she was facing her second unplanned, unwed pregnancy, and she was a prostitute. The women of the church bought cake and punch and gifts and balloons, and already wrote, wrote that they celebrated this pregnancy like this girl was the pastor's own daughter. After the celebration, the girl's mother came to the organizers and said, do you know who my daughter is? Do you know how she makes a living? And the lady who put the shower together said, why, yes, we do. At this, the mother broke down, fell to the floor, and started weeping. No one has ever showed my daughter love like this. No one. You know, when the church acts with love and grace, it is revolutionary. When we look beyond a person's mistakes or sin and see the person within them and love that person, it changes people. The young mother's life began to turn around that day, not because someone in the church saw her and said, you are in sin, because the lady already knew the shame and guilt that she had, the emptiness of her lifestyle. She changed because someone saw her and said, I'm going to love you despite your sin. And the women of our church act the same way. They understand this idea of loving someone through what they're going through. Today, uh, we are answering the question, how does the church respond to unexpected pregnancies? And really, the heart of this question is, how does the church respond to a pregnancy when someone's not married? And to get to the point of of what we're going to do, Jesus offers us two prescriptions. He tells us how to respond to people, especially how to respond to unwed mothers, because he tells us how to respond to children. Jesus offers us two prescriptions in Matthew chapter 18, and the two prescriptions are humility and compassion. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew 18, we're going to look at how Jesus tells us to respond to unexpected pregnancies. Now, our church has, has had mixed results in responding to uh, pregnancies out of wedlock. And they're, they're mixed because anytime people are involved, um, things get messy. Anytime uh, sin is involved, and that guarantees there's people involved, things get messy. So here's our mixed results. I've talked to some parents of children who have had children, and uh, some will say, you know, from some in the church, we felt judged and ostracized, and from some in the church, we felt welcomed and loved. And then there's the whole idea of when I engage in uh, inappropriate activity, I'm going to feel the guilt and shame of that if I do that if I participate in sin. You know, everywhere in the Bible where uh, God talks about being sexually pure, he links having sex only between a man and woman under the covenant of marriage. If, if we explore relationships, uh, sexual intimacy outside of the covenant of marriage, we are going to break God's command and we're going to have to deal with the guilt and shame of that. And there is no one here perfect. There's no one here who has done everything correctly and doesn't need the grace and love of Jesus Christ. So how should we respond? Well, we respond like we respond to anyone. With Jesus' prescription, 
with humility and compassion. Let me show you what I mean in Matthew chapter 18. If you'll turn there, I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. Now, this story where we encounter Jesus here, he has set up this parable, this uh, teaching and a parable right in between uh, two, um, two other stories and parables. The disciples had just had a, a question with Jesus about who pays the taxes. In chapter 17, Jesus says, you know, the people who were related to the king, they don't pay taxes because the rulers in that in that uh, society were the greatest in the world's kingdom. And then at the end of this passage, he tells a story about a rich guy who believes he can maybe buy his way into heaven because he has so much money, he doesn't need to depend on God. And in Jesus's day, in Jesus's society, the rich were the greatest in that worldly kingdom. You know, things haven't changed too much. Rulers and the rich are still considered great by the world's standards. And Jesus puts this little teaching right in the heart between the rulers and the rich to give us what the community of the kingdom of God really needs to look like. Look at what he says, and think about this being in between rulers and rich. Look what he says here. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child to him. Can't you just imagine Jesus bending down and bringing that little child right in front of all of his disciples? wrapping his arms around him. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Now, Jesus continues on. He's still teaching about children. And some of these other passages of Scripture, you might have heard uh, taught as a separate teaching all by itself, but Jesus is linking them here in the discussion about children. Verse 6, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not despise these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for that one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly, I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. We see here first... Jesus' first prescription for responding to anybody, but especially since we're talking about the question today, what to do with unexpected, unplanned pregnancies, our first prescription to respond is humility. Look at verse 3, what Jesus says in 18. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. In Jesus' day, there were some parts of Jewish society where children were not valued very highly. They weren't worth very much. They were just there to be taken care of under the authority of elders, but not to be looked up to. 
They were kind of a burden. And you know, in some of Roman society, they were treated as a burden too. Seneca, a contemporary of Jesus, writes about if your child is unwanted, weak, or deformed, it's okay to drown that child. In Jesus' day, just in, like in our day, some cultures practiced killing the babies they didn't want. They also practiced abortion in Jesus' day, not unlike our day. The status of a child in Jesus' day was very low. And so when Jesus says, we have to become like little children, he's talking about their status. We would label them something like weak, insignificant, inferior, poor, vulnerable, unimpressive. In our society, children... What kind of status do they get now? Wouldn't we still kind of say our society today, 2,000 years after Jesus, kind of treats children the same way? 90% of women who have abortions, they make the claim if they're asked, it was very inconvenient for me to have a baby at this time. When someone is so inconvenient that you can put them to death, that's pretty low value. If Jesus was speaking to us today, he'd say, here's the type of humility you need to have to interact with others. If you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you need to become like a little fetus. Fetus. A child in the womb. Is there anything more vulnerable or weak or insignificant in our society than a child in the womb? The church is one of the few places where children in the womb are celebrated. Let me tell you, if nobody else has, and I got I to gotta be honest, sometimes our church is going to do this right, and sometimes our church is going to do this poorly, but our church, acting like Jesus Christ, if, if you've messed up, and you've had sex without having a marriage, and you haven't been living like Christ has asked you to, let me be the first to tell you, if nobody else has, we want you to come and be here with our community of believers And we'll deal with sin privately. We won't shame you. We won't allow people to tease you. But we will celebrate your baby publicly. Because that baby is a gift from God. Being pregnant is not a sin. Having a baby is not a sin. Babies are a miracle. Every child that exists was done by the hand of God, providing a miracle in the womb of that mother. And we want to teach that and we want to keep living it. But to do so, we're going to have to do it in humility. We're going to have to take on that attitude of someone who is weak and poor and totally dependent on Jesus. That is how we're supposed to live with Christ. The greatness of your status in the kingdom of heaven is how dependent you are on Jesus. And Jesus gathered all his disciples around, and then he took a little child, and he said, look how dependent this little one is. That's how you have to be with God if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, this goes opposite everything you'll hear in our culture and opposite what you'll fight against even in our church. That means the person with the servant's heart that works behind the scenes that nobody knows about is the most important person in our church. And it means that people who are in need or in hurting or are scared, those are the people we have to be on the lookout for and offer them the same grace and love that Jesus Christ has given us. We We don't give grace and love and mercy and forgiveness because we're perfect. We give grace and love and mercy and forgiveness because Jesus gave us grace, love, mercy, and forgiveness. We've all messed up. 
That's why we have to be on the lookout to help those who are in a messed up situation. And so Jesus says, become like a little child. This is imitating Christ, by the way. Jesus, remember, he um, is, uh, Scripture tells us in Philippians, he is equal to God, and by nature, he is God. And yet he hid his glory, his power, his godness behind his humanity. And then he came to earth in that humanity, becoming just like us. And he lowered himself to being a human. He lowered himself to even die. And then he lowered himself even lower, taking the death of a slave by dying on the cross. Jesus made himself so low so he could lift everyone up. This is the attitude we have to have as Christ followers. We have to make ourselves low so we can lift others up. And this is hard to do, but I'm so thankful that we have people in our church that are literally dying to themselves daily to lift other people up, that are dying to their own needs and their own desires so other people's needs and desires can be met, that are dying to their own status so they can take on the humility of Christ and serve someone else. They're dying to themselves telling God, I'm not going to be king of my life. I'm going to let you be king of my life. I'm going to be totally dependent on you. This is what makes you great in the kingdom of heaven. So, uh, Catherine Scheller is a woman who had an unexpected pregnancy in high school, and she turned her life around because a church was nice to her, and then she tried to live perfectly and obeyed all the commandments. And what she found was the life before she came to Christ was just as hard as now the life that she had entered into Christ. And she needed someone to explain to her the gospel that Jesus says, he is going to be perfect in our place. You don't get to heaven because of sexual purity. You get to heaven because you are dependent on Jesus Christ. You don't get to heaven because you obey all the laws. You will get to heaven because you are dependent on Christ. And getting to heaven isn't even the greatest thing about being with Jesus. Having a lifestyle and a life change because you know the Son of God is the greatest thing about being with Jesus. And that is all dependent on how dependent you are to Jesus. So if nobody said to you before, and if nobody has mentioned to you before, churches all over in America and all over the world want to offer and extend the same grace to people who are in need. A lot of times, moms, especially in our church, will not come to church if, they have, if they've made a mistake because they start feeling like maybe their church friends will have gossip or judgment or even be mean to them. And, and sometimes we make mistakes too, but uh, an atheist woman doesn't have those same feelings. Someone who doesn't have a community of believers that has a standard of living set down by God doesn't have that same kind of fear but church is the place that extends and the people that extend the grace of God to others. And we love children too. We want to love children the same way Jesus loves children. Uh, this morning and during the first hour worship, I was talking about we love having children come into our worship and into our fellowship. We have classrooms and, and worship designed especially for children. I feel like children in the environment that's designed for them are going to learn more about Jesus than if they're in a desire, an environment designed for adults. 
But we love having children come in with the adults. And as I was saying this, there was a little child that got up out of his seat and started wandering around through the tables in here. You know who that's embarrassing for and who that's a distraction for? Nobody but his own parents. We love it. We love hearing children in the room. We love hearing uh, children uh, make mistakes because that shows that our church is growing and is young and we'll have another generation that we're training up to be the church. Isn't that a good sound? We want babies in our church and babies should make noise. And you know what? There'll be a time when, uh, when we are kind of having some breakthroughs with coronavirus where our environments for our children will be back up and running and we'll have our volunteers back and uh, we'll be having nursery and childcare and, and children's classes. But that doesn't mean we, we always have the children go to another environment. This is a perfect environment for children and we want children here to continue to grow up. This is offering what Jesus wants us to offer with point number two, compassion. We have to have humility and take on this attitude of Jesus, but we also have to uh, offer compassion. Look at verse five, chapter 18. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Now, Jesus, I think, has given us a little clue when he changes the wording just a little bit that it's not just children, it's not just a child, but one such child, one like a child in my name. I think Jesus is trying to pinpoint something for the church that we need to be aware of. I think he's saying both literally and figurative children. Literal children, we want those who are young in age to be a part of our congregation so we can train them up. Uh, figuratively, we want young Christians, no matter what age, but they're young in Christ to be a part of our church. And I think Jesus is, is using that term welcome, which has a variety of meanings as well, both literally and figuratively. Jesus welcomes the little children by laying his hands on them and blessing them. Jesus, all through his ministry, would touch the untouchable. He would touch the leper. He would heal the, the deaf. He would heal the blind. And he would touch them because they weren't being touched. Physically, we embrace the children that come in here. We give them side hugs. We give them fist bumps. We give them handshakes. You know what? Adults need that too. The online community is great. Online church is real. The Holy Spirit provides transformation, whether you're sitting in this room or sitting in your home watching. But God has wired us to need to be around people. And there is something about how God wired us to feel the energy and excitement of an embrace, an actual physical embrace that can only happen in the community of believers that doesn't happen online. If you're online and you're watching, know that Jesus loves you and he can provide teaching and change for you and transformation. And then he is calling you to go and show that change and love to other people by serving them. And we do that here when we welcome people, literally welcome them, we serve them with physical actions. But also, we need to serve people figuratively. We need to have open arms to all people from all walks of life, no matter where they are. Jesus doesn't come and say, come to me after you get your life put together. He says, come to me when your life is messed up, and I'll give you the church to help you, and I'll give you the word to help you change your life. He tells sinners, go and sin no more. He says, take up your cross and follow me. I'm going to give you a life change. I'm going to provide transformation from the inside out. And he does it with compassion and love. And church, that's what our job is, to provide that same compassion and love to other people. There are some ways that we can offer the same grace and love that Jesus offers us. And we do it 
with uh, the same compassion he does, and we do it without condoning or celebrating sin. Any sin, especially sexual impurity, is supposed to be forsaken, gotten rid of, and then forgiven of. That's what the church does. We help train you with compassion on what purity looks like in Christ. And we do that out of love and grace without condoning sin. We do it for every other sin. So we do it for this one as well. Here are some ways that you can help. I I love some of these uh, ways that you can start helping right now. Show compassion, both literally and figuratively, to little ones. Uh, Number one, you can express your love by giving. It would be really inappropriate for me or any other male in this room if a single mom shows up that we've never met before and and we would say something like, hey, I'll come over to your house and help you take care of your baby. That'd be really inappropriate. But one thing we can do is we can give into offering to help provide diapers and baby clothes and baby food and gift cards and even money for child care through the offering of the church. And the church, the organization knows different ways to give out resources to provide help to those in need. If you want to show love to an an unplanned pregnancy, if you want to show love to a mom, give in the offering is a great way to show and express your love. But if you have a relationship with someone, it's perfectly acceptable to go to that person's house and say, hey, you can take a nap and I'll take care of your child for an hour. I'll come over and clean your home because I know you're busy and I know you're struggling. And I'll just come over for a little while, help you get things straightened up, dust for you, vacuum for you. I'll even make you dinner. I'll bring you dinner. It's perfectly acceptable if you have a relationship with that person to express love for them by serving them physically. Here at the church, one of the great ways that we express love to all babies is we have a great nursery program and children's classes that Tony and Cheryl have put together that serve our community of believers so adults can learn and and grow and train. And sometimes you just need a break. When when we start working through coronavirus a little bit more and it's coming, we're going to open up our nursery and our child care and our children's classes on Sunday morning um, as we get our volunteers back and as we figure out how to wear masks and do it safely. But that is a great opportunity. If you want to serve with our children's department, or our youth department, you know, there is a, a, a number that you can text right now. If you take out your phones and just text the word CONNECT to 937-382-0904. And if you select your best next step is talk to a minister, one, somebody on staff will give you a call and we'll help find, find you your perfect place to serve and use your gift. But it may be serving with children. How do we respond to unplanned, unplanned pregnancies? We love on you and your child in such a way that we're going to help train you and your child up in the way that you should go. That's a great way to show and express love. You can also, if you really, uh, another way our our church does is, is we'll help you build your family. A lot of times single moms need men in their lives to be a dad for their mom and moms in their life to be a, mom's, a, a mom for their family and grandparents and brothers and sisters. Well, when you come into a church community, you get spiritually a new family. You get spiritual fathers and spiritual dad, uh, moms and spiritual grandparents and spiritual brothers and sisters. We increase your family when you come into our community because that's the grace and love we show in Jesus Christ. How do we respond to unexpected pregnancies? Well, we increase the love and size of your family so you don't have to do this alone. 
Uh, one other way, and this is really important and uh, maybe the most helpful. We have a really strong relationship with New Life Clinic in town. New Life Clinic's whole, whole purpose of existence is to help uh, moms and dads navigate those new scary times of being with a child, being pregnant, having a new baby. Any pregnancy-related circumstance and dealing with significant life issues, New Life Clinic shows up and helps in that way. I like how Dr. Peggy Hartshorn, uh, chairman of the board of Heartbeat International, describes the work of the church and the work of New Life Clinic. She says this, she said, we offer to help eliminate the crisis instead of eliminating the baby. And New Life Clinic does this love approach that Dr. Hartshorn writes about. Love where uh, they will listen and learn from the clients that come into their organization to find out about what their needs are and where they need to grow. And then they'll give them options that maybe they never thought of before. A lot of times when you're dealing with crisis, all you know is the fear of the moment, but you can't see tomorrow. Well, New Life Clinic, they offer a new, better vision of the future that may be an option they have never considered with their babies. They do this for dads and moms that come in. They give them vision and values that they haven't thought about before. Our future is in God's hand, but sometimes we forget that when we're dealing with crisis. And then they extend resources and empower the, the women clients and the men clients to work through a plan that is healthy. How do we respond to unexpected pregnancies? Well, we're going to bring you into the church. We're going to give you a new family. We're going to train you up in the way that you, go, you should go and the way your child should go, and we're going to love on you. But we're also going to connect you to New Life Clinic, which has resources and teaching and training that will allow your life to grow in Christ. The New Life Clinic offers uh, small groups um, that help dads and moms. One is called Embrace Grace. Uh, I think they've run two sessions recently of Embrace Grace small groups. And uh, one of those ladies who went through uh, the Embrace Grace is now uh, coming here regularly as a church at, at this church. They also have uh, what's called Dad's Initiative where dads, new dads, <laughs> need to learn how to be fathers. And so they get connected to New Life Clinic through other dads, and then these dads train how to be a father to your child. They also have post-abortion recovery small groups. A lot of times women who have chosen abortion don't realize what they've done, the trauma they've done to themselves, both emotionally and physically. And a lot of times they in, uh, encounter, these women encounter consequences of their actions that are just deadly. New Life Clinic has run two post-abortion recovery groups, and both of them have been filled with women from the church. But they're offering grace and forgiveness on how to deal with the shame and guilt of abortion. And they don't condone abortion. We will never, ever tell you to get an abortion. The life is a person in the image, made in the image of God, created by God, a miracle. But we do want to help you if you've made a mistake before, and we're going to offer you grace and love with humility and compassion, just like Jesus does. The New Life Clinic offers these small groups, and we want to connect you with them. Embrace Grace, Dad's Initiative, and Post-Abortion Recovery. This is how we respond when we deal with unexpected pregnancies. Maybe, maybe you want to right now, um, maybe volunteer and work with New Life Clinic. 
you know, the, the rest of the sermon isn't that good. If you would get out your phone, or maybe if you're on, online at home, just type in the address bar, bit.ly backslash new life application, B-I-T dot L-Y backslash new life application. You can give them just a little bit of information at New Life Clinic, and they'll contact you and find out where your skill set lies so you can help offer the same grace and love and mercy that Jesus Christ has given you. You just apply, and they're looking for instructors to teach classes for both men and women. They're looking for client advocates to walk through that process of loving someone, to give them a new future. And they're also just looking for servant volunteers to come in and clean up their facility or maybe answer the phone. Wherever your skill set lies, they are able to utilize your skill set for offering grace, mercy, and love. So you can go there right now, bit.ly backslash new life application, B-I-T period L-Y backslash new life application. Or maybe, maybe you just want to send a text right into 382-0904. You can do that from your seat or you can do that from home um, and click on the best next step. Talk to a minister. We'll call you within the week to help find out where you can serve. This is how we are going to respond as a church We're not going to do it perfectly all the time, but we are going to respond with humility and compassion for any person that comes in our doors, for any person we meet online, because we want to offer the same grace and mercy that Jesus Christ offers us, the same grace and mercy that he continually gives me and my family. You know, Jesus... He, he talked about this, and all of Matthew is uh, time and time again, Jesus is reorienting their status and their culture. He's building this community of new believers, and the disciples just can't get it. And so we just turn over one page in our Bible. We go from chapter 18 to chapter 19, and Jesus has to remind his disciples again, The greatest in the kingdom of heaven is these little children. The greatest is those who have humility. The greatest is those who have compassion. In chapter 19, people are trying to bring children to Jesus, and the disciples are rebuking them. Get those kids away. It doesn't say why they're rebuking him. Maybe they thought Jesus was too important. Maybe Jesus had something he had to be, somewhere he had to be. And Jesus stops them. Chapter 19, verse 13. I love this passage of Scripture. Then the people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them, but the disciples rebuked them. And Jesus said, uh, he didn't really say this, but I could just see him going, (sighs) shaking his head. No, guys, you're not getting it. Don't you remember? Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Jesus welcomed the children. He embraced them. He blessed them. We need to do the same thing. You know, we forget. We forget the teaching of Jesus. We forget that we don't have any right to stand in judgment over anybody because we've had to receive grace and mercy from Jesus Christ. We forget that we need to serve with humility. We forget we need to serve with compassion. And so Jesus gives us a weekly reminder called communion. Just like what he did with his disciples. I can just see Jesus shaking his head at me. Dale, you just don't get it. So he said, I need to give you a reminder. And the reminder is in communion. Would you take out your bread? Here's why this is a reminder. 
The bread is Jesus' body. When we remember Jesus hanging on the cross, his body nailed there. When we get ready to consume this bread, don't we remember that it's our sin that put him there? And that, doesn't that give us humility? This weekly reminder of communion allows us to make ourselves like a little child with a humble attitude, totally dependent on Jesus Christ. Would you eat the bread? And I know everybody's thinking it here in this room, but that really is made out of wheat. It's not star foam. Would you take out your cup too? You know, as we take this cup and are reminded of the blood that poured out of his body that covers over all of our sin, we're reminded of the compassion he gives us. We are now enabled to go serve with compassion, to lay down our lives for those who are weaker than us, to make ourselves low so that we can lift others up. Would you drink the cup and remember your forgiveness? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for that reminder of your own humility and your own compassion for us. Lord, help us to live in that prescription. Help us to respond with that same humility and that same compassion to everyone we encounter. But Lord, would you especially help us to respond to children that way to love on them and their mothers and their fathers in such a way that their life is transformed because we see beyond any outward appearance right to the image of God within them. That's what you've done with us. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If this message has inspired you or encouraged you, we would love if you shared it with a friend. To help support ministries like this one, go to wcconline.org slash donate.